Why are we normalizing obesity? Is a question or rallying cry of a number of people online right now, though at the same time, you have people responding saying it's called inclusion, you fat phobic D-bag. So let's talk about why everyone's angry today. Right, so this specific controversy involves Abercrombie because they put up this post of their fans wearing their clothes. The post showcased various body types, but seemingly due to the inclusion of this specific woman, many felt like the brand was normalizing obesity. Also, I wanna be clear here, I actually I went through the comments and it appeared that many of the responses were just meant to be mean. Though we did see a small percentage actually laying out their concerns about how this promotes an unhealthy lifestyle. Writing things like another example of companies promoting fat acceptance with a side of diabetes and a heart attack, self-acceptance at what cost to our health, and let's think about the global annual cost of treating obesity-related diseases. Anything that causes a loss of health should not be promoted. And some questioning why Abercrombie, of all fucking places, right, they have a history of fat shaming and only featuring skinny models until recently, seemingly are going, quote, too far in the other direction. Asking things like, why do they have to swing from one extreme to another? Everyone knows models are usually anorexic or binge and purge, so instead of putting beautiful healthy weight gals and ads they swing to complete opposite of unhealthy as well as where are the models with a mid-range bmi but once again to be fair here the ad did have pretty much every body type people are just hyper focused on this specific picture but at the same time it wasn't all negative you had people coming to the brand and cecilia's defense saying things like the internet has a lot of fat phobic body shamers abercrombie tried to be inclusive and people showed their true colors with others also just kind of being more pragmatic and asking making clothes for people who are obese is a bad thing now and over half the people i see walking around are overweight obesity is normal just like everyone feels fat thinks they look fat or jokingly or not calls themselves fat. Why wouldn't a denim brand make clothes that fit everyone? How is that normalizing obesity? But ultimately with this whole controversy, we ended up seeing the company take down the post. Because also what was extra shitty is the people featured apparently were just fans showing off their clothes. And so the company obviously not wanting them to be harassed and they wrote in a post, we love when you tag us in your pics and we love celebrating you in our customer photos. Recently, we observed some unfriendly comments about community members we posted. Let us be clear. We love and appreciate our community members exactly as they are and that won't be changing. We will continue to delete and block those who don't pass the vibe check. To everyone else, you're loved and appreciated. Well, you know, this was a, a viewer recommended story. The story was something that connected to me because over the last 36 years, y'all have been, some of y'all have been here for the last 15. I've been pretty much every size a human can be. And I also own a clothing company. And where I'll start this is if you were leaving cruel comments about this woman, you should go fuck yourself. She's not hurting anybody. She seems to be just living her life, feeling her damn self. And I'm a big believer that you can be a bad bitch no matter your size, whether you look more like a Cecilia or a Belle Delphine or fucking whoever. And as far as the company goes, yeah, you can have a social media person being like, yeah, we love all our ladies. That, that's just corporate bullshit. Economically, it just makes sense to be size inclusive as a brand. It took us forever to get 3X and 4X items in our inventory when we were selling on Beautiful Bastion. And when we did, we saw sales go up 20%. Like the idea that Abercrombie is like pushing a campaign because they want people to get bigger and unhealthy. That's insane. They just want possible customers to go, oh, I can actually fit in your shit and possibly like myself for a minute. Or maybe I'm just speaking from my personal experience on why I buy clothes. And also, consumerism aside, there is a difference between promoting an unhealthy lifestyle and going, hey, you're valid. You exist. You're not alone. Though I will say with Abercrombie specifically, I don't think it's because they care about people, but it is the consumerism part. They're holding a mirror up to the audience they want to capture, which makes sense. According to the CDC, between 2017 and March of 2020, 41.9% of the U.S. public was obese. And during that same time, the prevalence of severe obesity increasing to 9.2%. And to the people that bully and, and think that they're helping in some way, you're fucking not. I don't know if you've seen it in the comments. There are people on the internet that call me skinny legend, but they don't call me that because I've now lost 50 pounds since the pandemic. It started when someone backtracked and apologized after publicly fat shaming me to millions of people. And let me be clear, 
none of that fucking helped because I knew I was unhealthy and I didn't enjoy it. Like there was never a moment where I was like, man, if only more people called me disgusting, then I'll get healthy. It's a hard personal journey and that doesn't even consider other people's like specific health situations. My personal change has come from a place of my value when I was 260 and my value at 209, the same. And I'm way happier now that, you know, I'm getting my health situation figured out. I've made a lot of progress, but like it came from a place of need and love. I hit a point where I was like, my quality of life is gonna suck unless I change things. And for some reason, people think that like all humans live to 100. It's closer to 75 for a man in America. And I wanna live long enough so I can annoy the fuck out of y'all for decades, my kids, my wife. <laughs> and I guess just to close down this mini rant, life's hard enough. We don't need to also be needlessly cruel to strangers on the internet. We can want a friend or an individual or people in our society to be healthier without being a dick about it. But also, to be clear, this is not a defense of Abercrombie. They're just trying to use and exploit people because they're a corporation and that's what they do. For me, the, the part that actually matters are the real people constantly getting torn down by the internet. A new American Civil War is coming. It is happening, according to 50% of people who voted for Trump in 2020, with them specifically saying that a civil war is likely within the next decade, according to a new YouGov poll. But also an important aspect of this is it's not just Trumpers. About a third of people who voted for Biden said it is very likely or somewhat likely that a civil war is going to happen. And 60% of Americans anticipating an increase in political violence in the next few years. And all of this is concerning. It's just a question of how concerning. Or because most experts seem to be of the mindset that a full-scale armed conflict between political groups is very unlikely. But what is more likely is that political violence could instead manifest as sporadic flare-ups. But also, another civil war is not impossible. Are you have the likes of Barbara F. Walter, a political science professor and an expert on civil wars, grabbing headlines earlier this year with her book, arguing that the U.S. is nearing the preconditions for a civil war. Meanwhile, we saw warnings by the DOJ and Homeland Security last year saying that Trump's demands to be reinstated could cause his supporters to become violent. I mean, even most recently, it was Lindsey Graham saying that if Donald Trump was prosecuted, we would see riots in the streets. And regarding some of the anger that we're seeing from Trump supporters, one of the most recent flare-ups stems from the King, of podcasting and DMT monkeys, Joe Rogan. And that's because on Friday, he sat down with Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg to chat on his podcast, where the topic of social media censorship came up with Rogan asking him about the Hunter Biden laptop story, with Rogan specifically asking how Facebook handled it at the time, which was right before the 2020 election. And Zuck responds that the FBI had reached out to Facebook, telling it to be on high alert because there's about to be a drop similar to the Russian propaganda campaign in 2016, with him then directly addressing the laptop story, and he reveals... I think it was five or seven days when it was basically being... Um, being determined whether it was false, um, the distribution on Facebook was decreased, but people were still allowed to share it. So you could still share it, you could still consume it. So when um, you say the distribution is decreased, in, it, it got shared. It, how does that work? It basically the ranking in newsfeed was a little bit less. And Rogan shortly after asking this about the FBI, did they specifically say you need to be on guard about that story? I, I, no, I, I don't remember if it was that specifically, but it was it basically fit the pattern or with that or a version of it eventually getting to Donald Trump with him then posting on Truth Social and framing it as so now it comes out conclusively that the FBI buried the Hunter Biden laptop story before the election, knowing that if they didn't, Trump would have easily won the 2020 presidential election. This is massive fraud and election interference at a level never seen before in our country. The remedy declare the rightful winner or and this would be the minimal solution. Declare the 2020 election irreparably compromised and have a new election immediately. 
So you got the former president demanding to be reinstated nearly 22 months after the election. Also, to be clear, since this interview went live, both Meta and the FBI have issued statements. The FBI is saying that it provided companies with foreign threat indicators to help protect their platforms and customers, but that it cannot ask or direct companies to take action on information received. And Meta is saying the same night that this was received, though it got a lot less press, the FBI shared general warnings about foreign interference, nothing specific about Hunter Biden. And with that, sharing clips of Zuckerberg from October of 2020, speaking to Senator Ron Johnson, along with what he said to Joe Rogan. But hey, that's a story as it is now, and uh, I guess we live in a world where a coin flip will decide if there is a civil war or not in the next 10 years. Fun. And then, I want to take a second to thank the fantastic sponsor of today's show, Established Titles. Established Titles is based on a historic Scottish custom where landowners are referred to as lords and ladies in English. And it's a great gift for everyone, but especially those hard-to-shop-for people. Title packs give you at least one square foot of dedicated land on a private estate in Edelston, Scotland, as well as an official certificate with a crest. You can officially change your name to Lord or Lady and get it on your credit card, plane tickets, and more. Your certificate features a unique plot number with the exact location of your land, and they have a couple packs with adjoining plots of land. And they work with global charities One Tree Plant and trees for the future and plant a tree with every order. Plus, established titles told me the first 200 people purchasing a title pack using my link will effectively be next to my plot within a few minutes of walking distance. And if not for everything else, it makes an amazing last minute gift. Plus, established titles is running a massive sale. And when you go to establishedtitles.com slash DeFranco and use code DeFranco, you get an additional 10% off. Oh my God, Mississippi is in huge trouble right now. And that's because there's a very serious water crisis in Mississippi's largest city. Yesterday, Governor Tate Reeves declared a state of emergency in the capital city of Jackson after its main water treatment plant failed following torrential rains that caused the Pearl River to swell. With Reeves saying in his emergency briefing that this city of 150,000 people would be without reliable running water at scale for the near future and adding, it means the city cannot produce enough water to fight fires, to reliably flush toilets and to meet other critical needs. And adding that anyone that still does have water should absolutely not drink it or use it for cooking or brushing your teeth without boiling at first, because in many cases, that water is raw water from the reservoir that's just been pushed through the pipes. And while adding that officials are prepared to give out alternative sources of water as long as we have to, it's unclear right now how long this situation is going to last. But in the meantime, the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency will begin distributing both drinking water and non-potable water to the residents of Jackson and calling in the National Guard to help that process. And not to make you more anxious about it, but it's a process he described as a massively complicated logistical task. You've got all these places with little to no water pressure, flooding. You have Jackson Public Schools announcing that all of its schools would move to online learning for the time being. But here's one of the biggest things with this story. Well, the water crisis here is absolutely massive. It is not unexpected at all. The water system in Jackson has essentially been in crisis for years now because of old and inadequate infrastructure and a serious lack of resources to fix it. Hell, back in February of 2021, winter storms shut down the entire water system and left tens of thousands without running water for a whole month. And they're already frequently advised to boil the water they do get when they get it. Like literally, residents of the city were already placed on a water boil notice before all this other shit happened. Because previous tests already found cloudiness in water samples that could cause health problems, which is why we're seeing some state legislators urging Reeves to call a special session specifically so legislators can fix Jackson's water system. And it appears that help at the state level is absolutely necessary here, and it's been necessary, because leaders in Jackson have made it abundantly clear for a while now that they just don't have the resources to fix this on their own, with the mayor of Jackson last week saying that fixing the water system could cost up to $200 million. And this at a time where the federal government has allocated $75 million under Biden's bipartisan infrastructure bill for the whole of the state to address water issues. So for now, we'll have to wait to see what happens next, and if you're in Mississippi, right now, please be careful, please be safe. You're being tracked right now. Jesus Christ, that's Jason Bourne. And maybe it's because we project our own thoughts onto others as commonplace, but I think this is something like we all know. Maybe you're not actively thinking about it, but in the back of your head, you're like, yeah. It's one of the reasons why it's so stupid to say that like in the vaccines, there were definitely chips tracking us. Motherfucker, they've been tracking us. If you got a cell phone in your pocket, 
probably the case. And they know a lot, right? Not just like what you're searching, but where you're actually going. Which is why, yeah, you already had people concerned about the tracking and sale of personal data, but even more now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned. And those worries have actually now reached the federal government. With the FTC filing a lawsuit against the data broker Kochava for selling sensitive location information from mobile devices. And specifically accusing Kochava of selling geolocation data from hundreds of millions of mobile devices that can be used to trace the movements of individuals to and from sensitive locations. And adding that Kochava's data can reveal people's visits to reproductive health clinics, places of worship, homeless and domestic violence shelters, and addiction recovery facilities. And the FTC alleging that by selling data tracking people, Kochava is enabling others to identify individuals and exposing them to threats of stigma, stalking, discrimination, job loss, and even physical violence. With the agency seeking not only to halt the company's sale of sensitive geolocation data, but also require it to delete the sensitive geolocation information it's already collected. Going on to say that the data may also be used to identify medical professionals who perform or assist in the performance of abortion services. And beyond that, the FTC also claimed that Kochava made it incredibly easy and sometimes even free for basically anyone to find this sensitive data. Saying, yeah, there's a monthly subscription fee of thousands of dollars, but also they offer free samples. And that free sample offering until at least this past June allowed anyone with little effort to obtain a large sample of sensitive data and use it without restriction. And the FTC even outlining one instance where it used that free sample to identify a mobile device that had visited a women's reproductive health clinic and then trace that mobile device to a single family residence. And the lawsuit's saying like, this isn't like some random feature. Alleging that Kochava knew about this potential use, even literally marketing its services on Amazon Marketplace's information that can be used, quote, to map individual devices to households. With that, also accusing the data broker of failing to install proper safeguards to protect sensitive consumer data. And with this, Kochava has responded to the suit, claiming the company has introduced the new capability to block geodata from sensitive locations and is working with the FTC to help the agency understand its business model. And with that, adding that the lawsuit shows the unfortunate reality that the FTC has a fundamental misunderstanding of Kochava's data marketplace business and other data businesses, and claiming that they operate within compliance with all rules and laws. And really, what we're looking at here is kind of just one of the first fights and what's going to be a larger information battle. Right, you've got the FTC promising to crack down on the illegal use or sharing of medical data, location data, and other sensitive information. you got President Biden issuing an executive order reinforcing similar data protection policies. And as places like Axios have explained, there are many data brokers out there. An FTC win with this case could open the door to many more lawsuits, especially as the agency considers new rules covering commercial surveillance. Which, when, when they put it like that, it sounds like the government's like, hey, 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 that's, that's our thing. You don't get to do that. Not that any part of our government does that. But ultimately, we'll have to wait to see because this is the first step of a much longer journey. But uh, that is where this story and actually today's show ends. As always, thank you for watching and subscribing to my daily dives into the news. Also, if you need more news, I got you covered here or in the links down below. But of course, as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow.